0: purity to hatred in this game that I think for me is far more compelling than that sort of matey buddy buddy rugby value stuff I just I can't identify with it I just can't so looking at this game and looking at the fact that it's Glasgow the fact that everything that's happened over the last number of weeks it kind of it's it's perfect it's exactly what you would want if you're of a monster persuasion coming into this game because there's no way to not come into this game with the right mentality um, that might have been possible the first time back a few weeks ago the game I'm sick of referring to because I'm just after finishing writing the red eye but it is almost impossible to come into this game without having some level of mental response to settle the score to settle the business that we have with this Glasgow team not just historically but but this season I was in Thulman Park for that game um, a couple of weeks ago and yeah seeing Glasgow running around the place afterwards you know the the it in fellas' faces you know Sione who uh, was at that a fair bit it's not good it's not good seeing that Remember the last time we played Glasgow and Scotstoun, um, we won there. So that would have been fresh in their minds as well. Um, there is a real rivalry between these two teams. There's no trying to no. There's no point trying to pretend otherwise. That that is what it is. But like I said, there's a purity to that, where both sides know where they stand. You hate us, we hate you. Let's just fucking go at it and see who comes out on top. I kind of like that. It's simple, And I think it's something that Munster in particular can identify with in a way that sometimes I think has proven difficult against Leinster. Um, there are no such problems when it comes to Glasgow. Um, I would hope that what we saw in that first half in that game, that I'm again sick of mentioning, won't happen here. Because again, just from a structural perspective, we, we can't afford that type of start. I think because of that, it is less likely to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that it's impossible. I think we've seen Munster start badly a few times this season, even recently. But I think with everything that's gone on over the last number of weeks, everything that Munster have lost first and then regathered, I think it's all set up here to be something very special. Something, again, something familiar about it. It might not end up that way, but that's the feeling coming into it certainly from my perspective and uh, this podcast is brought to you by NTS Now, since 1999, NTES have been the preferred outsourced IT partner of some of Ireland's best-known companies, along with a range of equally well-known international clients, offering first-class technical support from highly skilled network engineers. They are a cost-effective and flexible alternative to the traditional IT department. You can find out more about them at ntes.com. And thank you very much to NTES for supporting me here on TRK. And thanks to you as well for supporting me on this podcast. I really couldn't do it without you. We're down to the last possibly the last game of the season. It's now win, win, win or bust, win to stay on. And I think that, again, there's a simplicity to that, which I think is good. Um, if Munster deserve to keep their season going until next week, they will. They've got to earn it, though, against a very, very good Glasgow side who, under Franco Smith, they're not, they're not a team transformed, but it is the perfect marriage between the players who are already there with a coach who has a system that's almost perfectly suited to getting the best out of them. I think, given how successful he has been at Glasgow this season, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him make the move up to Scotland sooner rather than later. So for Glasgow, there is an element of win now about what they're doing this season. And they may win now. They're in a Challenge Cup final against Toulon. I actually think they're a bad enough matchup for Toulon. um, If they can keep Toulon's power out of the game, that'll be something that'll be... Uh, of uh, interest to them for this game also, but um, they have had a really good season. As I was looking there earlier, if the ORC s- season was only ten games long and it included the last ten games, Glasgow would finish top. Forty-three points they've earned over the last ten games, more than Leinster, more than us, more than Ulster. They are on a flying run over the last couple of months, and you know, to a certain extent, you could look at that game against Munster as a real land for me also as well I knew Glasgow were good but I think coming into it like seeing how they were rotated as well I kind of was a bit shocked you know to see how good they were and then conversely how bad Munster were sometimes those two things can be mutually exclusive but I think you look at you know, the, the the way that they've approached their season, they started poor enough, a bit like ourselves. They lost the first game of the season. They, I think they went one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Um, and then they really started kicking into gear around December. Now, to be fair with some of the Scottish teams, they do have a slightly easier run with the fact they're playing Zebra twice. Um, and Edinburgh haven't been great this year as well, which kind of makes it even a little, even more lopsided. The Scottish and Italian shield—I'm going to call it the the batter shield—and it is, you know, I th- I think it's one of those where Glasgow are probably good enough to get into the playoffs even without playing Zebra twice, because again, that's an easy ten points. Um, but at the same time, they are, you know, they're in part because of that. But again. Every, everybody's schedule is different I think the Irish province's schedules are more difficult just because of the quality of sides that we have to play more often um, but I think when you look at um, Glasgow they more than deserve their home quarter final they've been really really good and um, some of their signings in the last season or two have been outstanding they've done, done so well for them but you know, I think coming in here with the team they've named, it's, again, it's fairly formidable, you know. Let's go through it there. Back three, Ollie Smith, Sebastian Cancellier, and uh, Kyle Stain, who captains the side from the wing. In midfield, they have Sione Tua Pilato and Stafford McDowell, who was so imposing, so good uh, against Munster in Thurman Park. Really, really physical, big, hard runner, good hands. Um, Kind of almost as kind of, I won't say come from nowhere, but... He's kind of just popped up in the last season or so and just been like an outstanding talent for Glasgow and I'd say soon to be Scotland. Um, At halfback, they have Tom Jordan and George Horn. Um, George Horn is in a set of Ali Price, although he has been consistently throughout the season. Really suits what Glasgow are doing. He's a breaker. He can sniper on the fringes. Good pass quality. Decent kicker of the ball as well. And Tom Jordan has been very strong for, for Glasgow all season as well. Um... So you look at their pack Jamie Batty Johnny Matthews who's scoring some load of tries as of late and um, Xander Faggerson in their front row uh, Scott Cummings and Richie Gray in the second row Matt Faggerson Rory Darge and Jack Dempsey in the back row to start on the replacements bench Fraser Brown Nathan Macbeth, which is a very real uh, name um, Simon Bergen JP Dupria Lewis Bean uh, Sione Vailanu Ali Price and Hugh Jones Um, so again depth there bit of quality as well like they've gone for a 6-2 split same as us but like you look and like last time out they were able to bring on a lot of size in Tholman Park they brought Lewis Bean on and I think they had another guy who's not playing here but they have a lot of size and power that they're able to bring off the bench and they're going to do the same here uh, with J.P. Dupria and Lewis Bean like they look I'm trying to figure out what their potential second half build will be. And I'm not sure if they'll go Scott Cummings off for uh, Lewis Bean and and Richie Bray off for JP Dupria. Lewis Bean can play in the background or back row as well. So they may look to add a little bit more size there for maybe Rory Darge. Um, But, you know, you look at the, again, like their back five there. It was a difficult one for us to handle in Tolman Park same with uh, their, their front row although they've, like, they've changed up elements of the guys they had there but still size power scrummaging uh, you know g- good scrummagers there as well um, it's a formidable Glasgow team who are playing in a system that really suits them that in and of itself is actually a hugely effective part of their game, in that so much of what they do suits them down to the ground. Now, I've watched a fair bit of Glasgow over the last couple of weeks, I watched them against the Scarlets, but the game that was most interesting to me was their game against Gla- uh, Connacht, because uh, it's in Scottston and like the conditions are going to be more or less the same, similar enough. I mean, with the 4G pitch, it's kind of it's kind of uh, you know fairly standard anyway. But looking at the way. Um, Connacht were able to put it up to Glasgow in that one. Now I know Glasgow weren't at full strength there either, but that to me gave me a good idea as to how you can you know take on this Glasgow team and and hurt them. One of the interesting statistics in the build-up to this game was that Glasgow they get over the gain line less than any other team in the league. When I'm looking for a parallel to the way that they play, they most remind me of. Um, Wayne Pivak's Scarlets team from the 2016-2017 season, when they actually won the Pro 14. Um, the way that they approach their possession game, very sharp, very quick, very high tempo. Nobody has quicker rocks than Glasgow. Not Leinster. Munster are third, actually. Then it's Leinster. Then it's Glasgow. They play with such pace at the breakdown. And again, that comes from the fact that they're not overtly concerned with winning a whole ton of gain line, um, one of the downsides of, of playing a kind of a, you know, where you're going for a big gain line every single time, is that it's relatively difficult to clean, um, you know, because if you're going to be making yards with the ball in hand, you know, there's offload possibilities are there as well. Glasgow don't really offload all that much, but you look at the the way that they play, like they will hit you quick, they'll set an offside line with a quick rock. And then they're gone. And they've got so much framework, especially in the post um, set piece, um, where, especially after the scrum, they caught us real bad in Thurman Park with that. But they're really accurate with their passing and they love getting uh, numbers overload in in the wide areas, just like that Scarlet's team under Wayne Pivak. Now, the problem is, I think that teams, and this was true of Munster also, is that we looked at their... Their ball carriers. And outside of Sione Vailanu, we didn't rate them all that much, I think, in Thornburg Park. We weren't able to get a slowdown on their breakdown at all. And when they were um, running at us, it looked like they got to the edge with just ridiculous ease. We really needed to tighten that game up and to slow them down. We didn't have the, the breakdown operators in the field at the time. And the guys we did have who were typically good weren't playing well. And you'd end up losing that game because we weren't able to slow them down, so they basically were consistently, anytime they got a hold of the ball they were running into um, open space with two or three passing options on the outside we were trying to scramble and it just seemed they could cut us open whenever they wanted, that for me having looked back at the game, came back to our defensive breakdown, we weren't getting the slowdowns, because I think think our our policy wasn't that we, we weren't going to go after that I think that'll change here um, if you want to try and slow down this Glasgow team, you just bring them back into settled phase play. Like I said, they don't have a whole load of massive collision winners. You've got one or two guys who will win a collision, like the likes of Xander Faggerson, the likes of uh, Rory Darge if you catch him on the wrong, wrong angle. Like I said, Sioni Vailanu. But if you can get them into settled phase play, where you can slow down one ruck, two ruck, three rucks, you can start getting them into their kicking game, or you can start making them over chase opportunities because look, they want to keep the ball in hand to a certain extent, and I feel that certainly watching the Connacht game as reference, when Connacht were able to get them into the fourth or fifth phase post lineout or post post transition, they were far more likely to end up with a turnover or a Glasgow mistake. Those first couple of of, of uh, rocks, like I said, post transition and post set piece, that's where they're most dangerous because that's where they have so much structure and that's where they have so much um, like of, the, of their schemed plays to to move guys into the right position, and they're so accurate once they get that ball moving. Uh, they've got some really interesting uh, screenplays as well, where you will see them running a three pod, we'll say, off nine, but the inside pod runner actually steps back into the screen, the forward, steps back into the screen himself as a handler. You'll see them doing this with uh, Jamie Batty or with um, Xander Fagerson. And it's a really interesting wrinkle. And it, again, generates an overload on the outside. They're very imaginative. But again, that comes down to quick ball and their usage of it. They are typically more organized than you on those first two or three phases. So you have to get a slowdown come hell or high water. Now, the thing is, Teams then, the obvious thing to do then would be to compete at the breakdown or to get some, you know, big line speed on them. They're so good at resetting the ruck really quick that you'll catch, they'll, they'll catch you on an offside or, you know, you'll be under pressure at the breakdown for giving away a penalty. I think we've got skilled enough guys, at, on, you know, when it comes to their work on the floor to... You know, to slow them down legally to an extent, not win a turnover every time, but just make it difficult for them. Get them resetting and get them running into the likes of and get them running into the likes of Jean Klain, uh, into Coombs, uh, into our into our front row if we can keep them to a certain, you know, uh, hidden to a certain extent, not on defence, but away from the edges. And let's see what they're about then. Once they start to slow down on the first struck, takes an awful lot of effort for them to jump back onto the second. Now they do have a few kicking gimmicks that they use where they try and go over the top of a heavy blitz but I would be very surprised if Munster's um, defensive output in this game is more breakdown focused than what it was in the last one. And um, We have to try and slow them down there. We have plenty of guys who are capable of it um, so it's going to be interesting to see how we approach that area of the game. Um, the other side of it is that if you are conceding penalties against them they've got a very dangerous maul. I think it was Jeff. Jeff Neville, of the loosehead, told me that they have more mall tries scored than Ulster, which again I wasn't able to find a stat on that. But I believe him. Like their mall is very, very effective. The very first thing that I saw in Tolman Park during that game was them setting up a fairly deep enough mall and scoring directly off it. We had nothing for them physically there. Now we did compete heavily on that first one. I think I've shown that in the red eye but their power, their organization, a typical punch mall, like, you know, again, with all the momentum coming from, you know, the, the guys who were running from the front and from the back to really hit on the drop. Once you win that first engagement at the mall, you have won them all and it's going to take a lot of defensive effort to try and stop that. For me, the biggest play, now again, depends on this back five that we've put out, which I'll go over in a minute, probably the biggest that we've put out in years I would say the biggest highest class back five that we've put out this is the back five that Johan dreamed about by the way this was the one that he was dreaming about um, certainly for the last two seasons um, but it'll depend on what our, our our tendencies are but like maybe we can meet these guys on the floor you know stay on the floor and look to try and you know mop them up that way not sure if that's a good idea I think with our size and how big we can play in the lineup with this back five we can contest in the air on these fellas like we can make it difficult for Johnny Matthews make him hit his targets make him go for you know let him go into the into the bag of tricks for you know a, a kind of a, a flat lob to the tail Make him go there because if you look at if you look at Glasgow long enough, you'll see a fairly standard pattern for most of their mall bills, and this is for most of their their kind of their mall feints and um, their their go-to plays, you know, further outfield. It mostly happens in the middle of the line out, with Scott Cummings as a lifter on Richie Gray. So for Munster, that middle space, or just, you know, a step behind or a step in front, that's the main target for our, our counter jumping here, and we have a back five. That honestly, I can't think of a back five in Europe at the moment that is more dangerous on both sides of the ball in the lineout. Like the size, the power, but the athleticism, the length, the wingspan. This should be an incredibly difficult game for Glasgow's lineout, and like they, I think they have more lineouts uh, than any other team in the URC this season. Like we need to bring that number down. We need to get that ball off the field. We need to contest them. We need to make it difficult for them to run their schemes because if they get a free hand at running them, they run really complex lines and it's really effective. We need to make sure that they do not get clean launch points. Look, not everyone will be a clean steal, but we have to make them very, very reluctant to try and throw beyond the front uh, because again, they'll reset to the likes of Jack Dempsey or Rory Darge. um, They'll go to Matt Faggerson there as well. They'll rotate that around. I think part of the reason why Sione Vailanu hasn't started this game is that once they heard that that Tiger was back fit I think they wanted more line-out capable players in their back five only Valan who isn't line-out capable uh, Darge, Faggerson, and uh, Dempsey all are as tertiary jumpers but they'll need them because if they want to go for that five plus one we have a five there that'll live with anybody any team in the line-out we haven't been able to feel this in three years but with the, the size the athleticism we should be a nightmare team to throw against here because we've just got everything that you'd hate as a line out. Opposition, do they have elite, super heavyweight size? Yes. RG Snayman, 6 foot 10, huge wingspan. Difficult guy to throw around if he's at the tail or patrolling in the middle. You've got John Klain, another 6 foot 8 guy, but he's a really good lifter as well. I can also get that 6 foot 10 guy really high into the air to bother a guy like Richie Gray, who's a tall man himself. That's fine. But then who do you have? Tyg Byrne. One of the best counter jumpers in the game. Patrolling the middle and the tail as well. He's also a really good line technician as well. So he's capable of being, you know, transitioning from lifter to counter jumper really, really quickly. Then you have Peter Armani. Best front jumper, middle jumper, counter jumper in the game. At the front, more than likely, patrolling the front and back. Really good reader of the game as well. Um, if they, and I think Munster, do understand where Glasgow like to build a lot of their game from. You've got... There, like I said, three guys who are incredibly capable of getting up and launching uh, and making it very, very difficult for you to get clean possession. All monster need to do is get that ball off the field relatively quickly, in and around that halfway line, in and around their 10-meter line. Get into the air and make them play. Make them get around Peter Romani. Make them play around Tygburn. Make them get around RG Snayman, who's counter-jumping, Hasn't been affected by his injuries. He's looking really springy. He's looking really long there as well. Such a nightmare guy to throw around. That's the sort of of size that Johan van Hraan dreamed about putting on. Finally, all of them are fit at the same time. That in itself is remarkable. Like, if we want to get at this Glasgow team, who believe are, are such a talented team, we don't want to get these guys running too often at us in that settled phase play of, you know, first, second phase off the scrum in particular. But the line, is, like, the line out is so effective for them. We need to keep that out of the game or make it a very unreliable platform for them. But the thing is, we have the guys to do that, which is remarkable. From our team, let's have a look back five or back three rather Mike Haley Calvin Nash and Shane Daly three guys who've been playing absolutely outstanding rugby all season long and they're only developing Calvin Nash for me is up there with one of the players of the season for me the way he's been playing could make an argument for him right now it's between himself and John Klain I would say um, but he's been playing outstandingly well midfield Antoine Frisch and Malachi Fekatoa Um, They haven't had a vintage couple of weeks. They've played well. They've had some decent moments, but nothing close to the offensive rugby that we saw in the first half against the Scarlets. Um, If we play to our potential with regards to what we have in the pack, it'll be the likes of Frisch and Fekitoa who have the capability to really open up this Glasgow team, who concede more tries and more line breaks than you would expect for a team who's been playing as well as they have. Um, At halfback, Jack Crowley, Connor Murray people were talking to me during the week like is there a big decision to be made here between Ben Healy and Jack Crowley for me no Ben Healy had some great moments in the South African tour finished the games really strongly he's on the bench here as part of the 6-2 with uh, Craig Casey he's been playing really well but if you look at Jack Crowley in those games he's setting the platform his ability to play on ball his ability to just show so much variety so much dynamism in the face of the most intense defensive pressure that he would have faced in his career to this date, I would say. Um, he did really well also. not as Didn't have the big moments like um, like Ben Healy. Had a few mistakes also. But remember, he's playing when the opposition are at their freshest. And I think he did really well over the course of those two games. Um, he is the starting guy for us now. There's been a lot of questions about Joey Carberry. Um, my only thing is that I remember Joey Carberry from this game against Glasgow, or the, the game back in Dolman Park. And my big takeaway from from Joey was is that he just looked like he was going through the motions. Which again, I know is one of those kind of pundit-y things to say, but you know there didn't seem to be any drive coming from him. There was one moment in the second half in particular that stuck out to me, when we were looking for an exit, and um, this was early in the second half. So we were, again, twenty eight nil down at this stage. We needed something. We needed our 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 playmakers to make something happen, and there was an exit. And I just looked at. Um, patty patterson he just he made a bad exit kicked the ball out didn't go very far and you remember he looked over at, at joey carberry who was just standing there with his hands on his knees saying nothing said nothing and like at that point you're looking for your 10 to drive you on now this isn't about joey carberry he's not playing but in that game once jack crowley went to 10 he was at 12 once he went as the primary playmaker everything monster did look so much better um way more dynamism Way more uh, direct attack, way more impetus, momentum, which are all vague, nebulous words, but this is why when you look at Jack Crowley, I think he is the guy going forward, because he has that character, I think, where he doesn't let games bypass him. He has a spicy way about him. Like you can see it in the way that he gets across, um, where he good getting you know, he ends into certain collisions with real again, a bit of a bit of drive, a bit of a bit of spice in him. And, like, he's not a guy who's afraid of the physical stuff either. He was right after that too. So that aspect of his game is, is again, it's a huge positive, but it plays into what Monster trying to do offensively also, especially in this game where we will have our optimal pack build for me. Like, Munster are playing a high-possession, like high-volume possession game over the course of the last couple of, um, well, this season, right? And you look at, like, where we're trying to go there are a couple of different philosophies in the game at the moment where you have counter-transition teams like Leinster uh, and Connacht and I think Glasgow to a certain extent. But then you have um, high-possession, high-volume or high volume possession teams like La Rochelle. I think we're trying to go down the La Rochelle route with regards to our approach to the game because this season I assumed or I had a, a, an idea in my head that we would go down more of a counter-transition route we really haven't. There's been moments where we've done that in games, but it hasn't been a consistent tactic that we've looked to try and do. What we have tried to do is kick a, like in the middle distance, not short enough for it to be consistently contestable. We might do that here, but not long enough where it's a kind of a, a long bomb kick where you're basically looking to play a lot of transition defense and then, you know, play off the transition you get from that. We're not really doing that, not to the same level. But what we are doing is is that when teams do kick to us which isn't necessarily directly after we've kicked to them we go directly into our transition shape there afterwards and straight into post transition phases and look to try and hang on to the ball for five six seven phases or more like you look at monster stats this season we are the third highest um, team in the league for scoring after six plus phases, and a lot of those come from not on the aftermath of of a lineout, which again is, you know, you look at at Leinster and Ulster, I think, are fairly high up in that scale because they get into those close range, um, you know, physical battles where you have a five meter lineout, for example, it gets onto the try line. You have one phase, two phase, three phase, four phase, five, you know, goes goals like that along the try line. For Munster, we have had those moments. But a lot of our multi-phase sets are actually happening way further out. So, what we're building is a style of game that prioritizes hanging onto the ball. We have a the highest rock retention rate in the URC, ninety-six percent. We need that. Like we've been on a great run over the last ten games. Like our first, uh, I think the first seven games, we were like I said, fourteenth. We've turned it around because our breakdown has turned around for the vast majority. So like we need to be at that ninety-six percent level of retention this is what I've been doing with the, on the 10 euro tier with the ruck retention or the the you know the offensive ruck work score is trying to get numbers on that so we can track it and Munster being such a high volume on ball team when our offensive rock numbers are good and high we're playing well and we're winning games the highest game that we have or that I have this season on record was Munster versus the Bulls from back in October which seems kind of like a random game but that game we had our highest combined offensive ruck-work score, which is if you run up all the scores that all the players had, it was the highest that we had all season long. When we break that down to an average, you can get your what you need to be hitting per quarter to be hitting our optimal range. What's the same thing that we had in this game that we had in the Bulls game? A three-lock pack. And this is where you start to get into the interesting part from our halfbacks, Um, What we need to see from Conor Murray is, I would say, a little bit more volume kicking than what we're used to. I think some part of what we're doing will be off-ball here. I think we look to try and get at them at the breakdown, like I was saying there, where we can't afford to give these guys a whole ton of settled phase play. We really want to get at them at the breakdown to try and set the tone early with the referee. Because again, it's Penardi. Whoever sets the tone early with this guy will get the reward for the rest of the game. We need to make it look to... The, the referee that we're giving them a really tough time at the breakdown that doesn't mean that we'll be winning a penalty every other ruck but it does mean that we'll be in a situation where we can slow them down and legitimately so because we've got guys who are well renowned breakdown players Ty Byrne um, Peter O'Maney but then Gavin Coombs as well Same is a guy who's good for a, a, a turnover same with Dermot Barron. like we have guys there who could play that game but the, we'll win this game by getting our multi-phase game into, in, into effect and like when we've played really well over the last couple of weeks, it's because our lineout and our mall has functioned again. If both our multi-phase game and our lineout mall works here, we'll win this game. That's I truly believe it. Um, because when we have lost this season, it's because we haven't been able to get our um, our uh, offensive ruck game into gear which means we're losing possession or because we're playing so much multi-phase ball we're kind of consistently throwing noise onto the next player so the next ruck is poor and it's harder to resource and then the next one is um so like we need efficiency there but that would be balanced out if we had a fully functioning line out of mall which all season long we really haven't had like it's been a real struggle for us over the course of the season where again we've been playing a lot of small ball though you know like how many times this season have we had only one you know actually proper sized modern second row in jean-clain for a lot of the games we've had this season he was the only guy we had available both starting and on the bench so that means that you're not able to play big at the lineout finally we can play big at the lineout and what that means is and if you go back and you look at uh, the game against the stormers for example so much of our lineup was ridiculously simple. We have our five guys in the line. Whoever's taking the line out, he jumps. The guys who are there, they turn, they lift. There's not a whole lot of cutouts. There's not a whole lot of pre, you know, pre-throw movement because you don't need to do that. You've got supersize. You don't need to go like you're. They're trying to throw fellas off because you've got a guy who's six foot nine, six foot ten, and you can lift him with a guy who's six foot eight. You know, you've got the best. You know, one of the most explosive lineout jumpers in the game, and Peter Romani. Tyg Byrne another one like you've got options and like we've got John Klain who's a really super reliable front ball option as well and a strong mauler as well like that part of our game like there's no reason to me why we shouldn't have a solid lineout platform here in this game we should we, we have the players to do it if we've got the throwing right we should not be skittish under the high, un, under the, the lineout here absolutely not and if we can get that working we have the game to win it look at the pack Jeremy Lockman Dermot Barron Stephen Archer uh, all three of these guys playing really well over the last couple of weeks Jean Klain RG Snayman, Tyg Byrne Peter O'Manny, Gavin Coombs look at that back five like you might say look well, we haven't played Tyg Byrne at six that often look we have a great record when we do play him at six but the last time out against the Bulls it worked perfectly against a really big physical opponent who are honestly bigger and more physical than Glasgow No. Glasgow are far and away a much better offensive team but physically we were able to deal with them very very directly and that's something with that uh, three lock pack that is again it's one of the the big strengths of it Um, on the bench we have Niles Scannell Josh Witcherly, Roman Salanoa Finian Witcherly, John Hodnett uh, and Alex Kendalyn as part of a 6-2 split again going back to that game in in March um, the biggest issue for me was we had the possession in that first half to win that game but not the physicality. We struggled to impose ourselves against Glasgow and they were able to off-ball us very successfully. Watching it back, it's just like, we just looked again a bit. And this is something that's happened if you're an on-ball team. We had a couple of weeks off. So a lot of our lines didn't look very crisp. We didn't look very physical. But again, I think we were lacking size from the start. One of the things I've said over the years, and I think it's a constant, is that if you only have one power forward in your team, you actually have no power forwards in your team. And that seemed very true. Um Gavin Coombs actually didn't play badly at all in that game. He had one of the I'd say a really complete game in part of a team not playing well. Let's not forget. He did score a try, but his breakdown work overall was pretty good. We we don't want him though, and the thing is we don't need him playing that role until late in the second half here. Like with RG Sneyman, with John Klain, with that front row, like they can do the vast majority of the... the I mean, name and claim will do more ball carrying, obviously, but that'll free up Gavin Coombs to be far more destructive. And I think to have to bring that complete game, but in segments, I would look at him for the first 60 minutes here as being a kind of a straight-up power forward. We look to try and get him on ball, force compressions and, and play off the back of them. But as we start to transition to our bench, will Ty Byrne do the full 80? We don't know, but like it wouldn't surprise me he's a freak of nature. But this is the sort of options that we have with Gavin Coombs now because he has that half-lock power forward roll build. And like the thing is here is that with him running in that middle six, because if you go back and watch that Bulls game, Tig Byrne and, and Peter Romani consistently held with, as part of our multi-phase sets, with that big middle three. And again, this was with a dog bow, who I think is actually fairly unlucky to miss out here. But you look at the the big three we had in that middle in in that middle of the field, we had Coombs, we had Klain, we had a dogbow, and they were able to win those central collisions and retain the ball. We had Lockman playing well, I think it was Lachman, uh, Scannell, uh, I think Archer, actually, or Salanoa, all playing really well there. That will give us the opportunity. If we can retain the ball with the back line we have, the creativity of Crowley, of Frish, of fekitoa even, we have weapons that can hurt them repeatedly. And the thing is with Sneman who I I haven't really mentioned here, is that his ball carrying is a huge threat to Glasgow. Absolutely massive. They're going to go very low on him, to try and chop him out of the game. But the thing is with him, is that his ability to get off loads away, above and beyond whoever's tackling him, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what's possible with what he's capable of as an individual. I'm looking at the way that we play with those edge forwards is that, when we because again we will have a lot of possession where we bounce between the 15 meter lines right but when we're on the side of one of those edge forwards they flow with the rock so they flow with the rock up until around the middle of the field before they f- cycle back out to the edge that's where you can bring in really interesting options with Tygburn Byrne and Peter Romani running off the possibility of a tip-on or an offload from R.G. and over the top of a defender or around a defender. Same with Gavin Coombs who's more than capable of throwing those balls too. And with that build, that three lock pack, we think we have the defensive, the set piece and the offensive capability to have a really good performance here. But we'll need to bring the mentality. We will need to come into this game with the same sort of aggression and spite that we brought to that opening at a Stormers game where physically we put them under the pump straight away the biggest problem I had with that game back in March was that we were so passive we will not have this here absolutely cannot I think with Peter Romani starting in that role um, with size around him you're more likely to see Ireland Peter Romani I think you know, the performances over the last number of weeks have been very mu- very much closer to that from Romani but I think there's a statement a set of performances from this guy that we've yet to see in this season we're actually very well placed. Win this and we can take on Leinster next week in the Viva Stadium. They'll have a European Cup final to look at. Now that, that doesn't mean we get got an easy game there. But with the way we've been playing, I think that there's a semi-final in this team. Glasgow are very, very good. But if we play to our potential, if we play to our size potential, the physicality that we know is in this team, I think we should have too much for this Glasgow team. They will score tries. This will be a very feisty game. Defensively, I think we really need to be on our game at the breakdown to slow them down. If we can get enough of a slowdown at their ruck and at the line-out, we have the weapons then to hurt them and turn this game around back in them. Um, but it's going to be so fascinating and I'm so interested to see how it goes. I just feel that there's something in this team. No matter where I'm wrong, I don't know. Like we're still very early in this team's development. But I think after that South Africa tour, they should have the energy they should have the spirit in them that if they're going to win this URC they're going to do it the fucking hard way where they were on the road for the last two games of the regular season in South Africa got seven points there, no one's done that come back up taking away quarter final to Glasgow one of the best teams in the league to go away to Leinster then, possibly, should they win against the Sharks, that's the hard way for me, that's the way that this team likes it traditionally, culturally the hard way has always been the way So we'll see if they can bring that this weekend. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon.